For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. There is a very dangerous and very effective destabilization campaign underway against this president, his administration, and his agenda. And what I hope that the president and his senior aides understand is that these forces are not just looking to delegitimize him. We often talk about that. Sure, they want to do that. They want to personally destroy him, destroy his presidency, and they would like to see the man in prison. I hope that the president understands I am not overstating this, having been a victim of this myself. They are out for blood. And the reason they have to destroy him is that Donald Trump is an alien organism that has been injected into the body politic by the American people to reform it. He must not be allowed to succeed. They have swarmed him. They have swarmed everybody around him in order to reject him out of the, the system, just like any alien organism. He must not be allowed to succeed. And I hope that everybody around him now understands that this is a war and that they started a long time ago. But they will not end until they get the president of the United States. Hey, guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as we begin to close out yet another week. This is your go to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers and happy warriors. On social media, on Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I can be reached at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. So did you like that open? If you heard one of last week's shows, and of course you should be listening to every Monica Crowley show because you don't want to miss out. You don't want to have FOMO. You got to be listening to all of my shows here. One day last week, we did a show where I broke down two particular clips of me back in 2017, March of 2017, uh, on Sean Hannity's show talking about Donald Trump and his enemies. And I broke it all apart. So if you haven't heard that show, please go back to last week and listen to it because I spent a good deal of time talking about it and how prescient I was back in March of 2017 about Trump's adversaries and their ultimate objective of putting this man in prison. I think I was pretty much the only person back then talking about this. Everybody's saying, oh, yeah, they hate him, etc. Well, yeah, duh, of course they hate him. And of course, from the start, they have wanted to undermine and destroy him. And it continues to this day. We're waiting on the judgment from this Marxist judge in New York, Engeron, who's right out of central casting for crazy lunatic Marxists. We're waiting on that. But the, this is just the latest round. They've been attacking Donald Trump since he came down that escalator. And it got really real once he was sworn in as president. They tried to stop him throughout 2015, throughout 2016. Once he was sworn in, January of 2017, they put it all on steroids. 
And by they, I mean Barack Obama, the Obamas, plural, including his wife, who is deeply, deeply political and may end up as the Democrat nominee. We don't know. But all of these people surrounding Barack Obama, including Joe Biden, including James Comey and James Clapper and John Brennan and uh, Sally Yates, all of these people in law enforcement, FBI, DOJ, and the security state, CIA, NSA, etc., they weaponized and mobilized the entire, well, the most fearsome uh, government agencies against Donald Trump. And there I was in March of 2017, seeing it very clearly and saying, guys, it, the, the objective here is not just to undermine his presidency, which, of course, they were going to do and did with the Russia hoax and everything else, the two fake impeachments and the constant stream of lies and attacks, but that they wanted the man in prison. So this is our new opening now. I have those two clips. We're going to alternate them going forward just to keep you focused on what these deep state monsters are all about. And while I'm focused in these clips from 2017 on President Trump and how he was their main target and remains their main target, um, it extends to all of us. And that's why I want to keep incorporating these clips in the open to the show going forward, because it's not just about Donald Trump. It's about you and me. It's about America first. It's about America, period. And our enemies within, because of course they're targeting Trump, but Trump is just a stand in for the rest of us. So that's our brand new open. Hope you enjoy. All right, coming up on the show next week, we're going to be joined by Mozzie Pillip. Who is she? Well, guys, look, I do politics for a living, and even I didn't realize that you know how they got rid of George Santos? George Santos, the Republican congressman from the 3rd District in New York, they expelled him from Congress over nothing. And our side went along with it, while the left always bandwagons around their members who are in trouble. You never see a Democrat get expelled, ever. Because they just rally to the cause, they rally around each other, they stick together. It never happens. But our side are a bunch of just fools who do not know how to wield power when they have it, could care less, and so they expelled George Santos over nothing. So now we've got this razor-tight majority in the U.S. House of Representatives. Razor-tight. So there is a special election, which even I did not know was right around the corner. And I'm a New Yorker, and I do politics for a living. And even I didn't know that the special election to fill that Santos seat is coming up right around the corner on February 13th. Mozzie Pillip is the Republican nominee, uh, and she's running against a Democrat who has been a congressman for a while. So this is going to be a very, very tight race, and I want to have her on to introduce her to you, to the American people. I don't care if you live in the district or New York or not. You need to know this woman. She's extraordinary. She was born in Ethiopia in abject poverty, and then her family moved and fled Ethiopia and moved to Israel. The Ethiopian Jews were allowed to leave, and they fled to Israel. She was raised in Israel and served in the IDF. And then she immigrated legally to the United States, and she is an America firster all the way. And she is actually, guys, she is the anti-Ilhan Omar. 
So you want to, uh, first of all, Ilhan Omar, as we discussed on the last show, should be bounced out of Congress. You want to talk about expulsions? Ilhan Omar needs to be expelled like yesterday. We've got the Republicans in control of the House. We've got Speaker Johnson, who claims to be a strong leader. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Um, Where's the expulsion effort for Ilhan Omar? Oh, it's nowhere. It's nowhere. We're going to have Mozzie Pillip on the show next week, and you will be amazed by her. I'm promising you that. Also working on a big surprise guest for next week and more on the weeks ahead. Plus, we are going to be all over the next GOP caucus, which is happening in Nevada next week. Donald Trump has a 50-point lead in Nevada. So I don't think we're going to be surprised, but then again, you never know. So we're going to be all over that next week. Today, I've got a really big treat for you guys. Coming up in just a few minutes, Dean Kane will be here. Superman, of course. Clark Kent, of course, but so much more. The brilliant Princeton grad, the NFL player, the top actor and movie star, and reserve police officer and deputy sheriff, plus America First supporter of President Trump and the movement. Dean Kane, moments away. But first, the Monica memo. A lot of movement on Capitol Hill, so we've got the impeachment of DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, inching forward. So while I'm blasting the Republican-led Congress over not expelling Ilhan Omar, they are doing some decent things, including impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas. Mayorkas deserved to be impeached last year when the Republicans gained control of the House Honestly, Marjorie Taylor Greene has been leading the charge on this. God bless her for doing so. But man, the Republicans just cannot get their crap together. And it is so incredibly frustrating. I'm glad they're doing it now. But again, this should have been done 12 months ago. He's not going to be removed by the Senate. But again, you know, the point is to go through this process. Remember, the left looks at process as the punishment, And of course, they want the ultimate punishment, don't get me wrong, but when they know that things are going to meet a grisly end, like most, if not all of these uh, lawfare cases against Donald Trump, they will be turned around on appeal. The E. Jean Carroll case, that crazy $83.3 million uh, in judgment for defamation, all of these things are going to be drastically reduced, if not thrown out completely. The left doesn't care. This is all about the process being the punishment. They want to harass Donald Trump, drain his resources, keep him distracted, uh, drain the money away so that, you know, he has less uh, to spend on running for president. They want to try to secure a conviction because now they're seeing polls that independent voters might, might be turned off by Donald Trump in the fall if he's a convicted felon, even though we know all of this is BS. So they, they are focused on, yes, they would love to see him in prison, as I'm saying. And as I said, eight years ago now, they would love to see him in prison. Of course, that's the ultimate objective. But if they fall short of that, the process is the punishment. 
Okay, so in this case, you know, the Senate is controlled by the Democrats, which means Mayorkas is not going to be removed from office like Joe Biden is not going to be removed from office, barring some crazy development and the left like finding itself, which is never going to happen because they're at war. The process is the punishment. So just like with the Biden impeachment track, we've got the Mayorkas impeachment track, and that is moving apace. God bless Marjorie Taylor Greene for leading the charge on this. At least she has some balls. Um, I want to roll, uh, because this invasion continues apace as well. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Ten to 12,000 illegal immigrants coming across the border any given day. Well over 300,000, a record, just in the month of December. So this is crippling the country. It is overwhelming the country, which is the intention overwhelm the country in order to implode it. Old Cloward and Piven right there. I want to run an old clip of Barack Obama back in 2013, speaking of throwback clips, um, back when the Democrats were not completely insane on the border, although they did always, from from Edward Kennedy, Teddy Kennedy, in the mid-1980s, their objective was to replace. Yes, I'm using the word replace. They don't want you talking about it. Whenever they don't want you talking about something means that they are doing it. Okay. So Barack Obama and Joe Biden were completely on board during that presidency uh, with flooding the country, but they were a little bit more careful about it uh, back then. So they were flooding the zone, but again, they, they were watching the politics of it and they were still out there talking a good line about caring about the border. I want you to listen to Obama. He got heckled by the far left back in 2013. Listen. We're going to make our country more secure. We'll strengthen our families. And most importantly, we will live up, most importantly, we will live up, most, most importantly, we will live up to our character as a nation. That's, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. What I'd like to do, no, no, don't worry about it, guys. Okay, let me finish. Let me, let, let me. Okay, so while Obama was totally on their side, of course, he still had to play the game back then. Keep in mind, this is another reason why they are continuing to try to destroy Trump, because Trump's very first public statement, when he announced for president in June of 2015, he was talking about the border and illegal immigration, and he was saying, hey, man, they're not sending their best. They're sending rapists, murderers, drug dealers, you name it. They're not sending their best. And then he said, some I assume are good people, right? And of course, that comment got him in a world of trouble. And the deep state and the left and the imperial media, they heard that comment and their antenna went right up because they knew that if Trump got elected, it was going to muff up their entire plan of flooding the country. They were trying to do it in a way that wouldn't attract a lot of attention. So maybe a thousand people per day over the border. And remember Obama's uh, Homeland Security Secretary, Jay Johnson, back in the day talked about if we have a thousand people crossing the border every day, that is a crisis. So they were talking a good game, right? And they were trying to like not attract too much attention to what they were doing, which was actually a smart way of doing it, right? I always use the analogy of if you're running a small business and you have an employee who's stealing and he's stealing out of the register, well, a smart thief 
will steal a fiver, maybe a 10, a couple of singles every day because the likelihood of being caught with that is minimal. But when the thief gets greedy and starts stealing a C-note, okay, taking a $100 bill out of the register every day, well, then you're going to get caught. When you jump the shark, you're going to get caught. And so they, they were trying to do it like under the radar, flood the zone and move these illegals around the country into red states, etc. But then they realized that Donald Trump was not only not going to play the game, he was going to put a stop to the game. And they could not have that, among many other things, uh, confronting China, law and order, getting the economy back on track, all of the great stuff that Donald Trump did. They knew that the eight years of Obama and the previous leftists and uniparty presidents, for that matter, um, on both sides, that they had made so much progress in fundamentally transforming the country that they knew if Trump got elected and served for four years that he was going to put a stop to all of it and reverse it, and that they could not have. They could not have, and that applies to illegal immigration and the border. Donald Trump had the border solved. He had illegal immigration solved. Solved. And so now when you look at Biden and the Obamas, both of them, running the country right now, what you see is that they have moved with all deliberate speed, not just with the wide open border, but with everything, with the spending and the destruction of our cities, all of it. They have moved so fast in the last three years. Ask yourself why. It's because they look at the four years under Donald Trump as lost time. They lost four years under Donald Trump, and they are moving with all speed in order to make up that time. That's why the border has been wide open for the last three years, and there has been zero course correction. Zero course correction at the border, illegal immigration, but everywhere. With the crazy inflationary spending, all of it, they are making up for lost time. They are making up for lost time. That's what the flood at the border is all about. And it's about even more sinister things. It's about changing red states into blue. There was a big story about how George Soros continues to pour millions of dollars into the state of Texas. Why do you think Texas is on the forefront of this illegal immigration crisis? Because they are dying to flip Texas blue. Why? Once they have Texas, they've got the Electoral College. They've got New York, Illinois, California. They got a bunch of deep blue states, Oregon, Washington State, And so once they have Texas in their bag, that's it. You will never again get a Republican president. You'll never again get a Republican Congress. Forget it. That's why they're pouring so much money into Texas. They haven't had much success, and there are a lot of uh, red voters who are leaving the Northeast and California and the Northwest where the liberalism, the communism is too out of control, and they are moving to places like Texas. So thank goodness... Texas is being fortified by red state voters moving there. But they have not given up, and they never give up. The other point is, of course, to flood Texas and the rest of the country, especially red states with illegal immigrants, and then get them on a track to become citizens and therefore voters. Again, replacing the black community, the Latino community for Democrats with illegal immigrants, 
but it's also about the erasure of borders. When you look at Agenda 2030 coming out of the World Economic Forum and other transnational organizations that are so evil, what you see is an erasure of borders moving toward a one-world government. With, of course, them sitting atop all of it and us being slaves, serfs. That's what all of this is about. It's about erasing borders, flooding the country and the entire West with third world illegal immigrants, terrorists. I mean, there are sleeper cells down the block from you. I don't care where you live, but now you got sleepers. You got sleeper agents from the Chinese Communist Party, you got sleeper agents from Al Qaeda, ISIS, Hezbollah, Hamas. You name it. You got Iranian cells in here. You got Russian cells in here, North Korean cells in here. The number of suspected terrorists that we've apprehended is mind-blowing, and God knows how many have gotten away. So all of this is a deliberate attempt to destroy the country. You're living through remarkable times, and that's why we need uh, independent media just like this show. And thank you for listening and for telling everybody about this show. But you need independent voices who will tell you the truth about what is happening because the hour is very short. Um, I want to roll Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey. Of course, she is a Democrat. We rolled Obama back in 2013 saying, oh, there is a real need for a secure border for the security of the country. I mean, back then he was still feeding us a line of BS. Joe Biden now doesn't even bother. I mean, he's asked about it, and he's like, yeah, I don't think there's a crisis. Or he'll say, yeah, I guess there is a crisis, but then he's blaming it on Republicans when he has the full executive power and authority to change what is happening here. Donald Trump threw, I think it was 92 executive orders right when he came in, enforced the border, got control over illegal immigration by enforcing the laws on the books and doing other things. I mean, he did it all himself. He didn't need Congress. You don't need Congress in this country. So it's all just a a head fake trying to blame Republicans for the border crisis when everybody knows he's got a pen and a phone and Biden could do it yesterday if he wanted to. But this is the point. He doesn't want to because it's part of a much darker, bigger agenda. Here's Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey crying. She's literally emotional Tears, alligator tears flowing, as she announces that she is converting a recreation center in the town of Roxbury, Massachusetts. Uh, By the way, this recreation center should be for American citizens and American kids. She's announcing that she's converting it into a new shelter for illegal aliens. Listen. Emotional, guys, okay? Because I'm committed to this. Little kids need to be able to breathe clean air. They need to be able to access swimming pools. They need to have lifeguards there who are going to teach them how to swim. And they need to have activities. I don't know what we're going to do for a couple, three months. I'll call universities. I'll call other places. Just like what's going on in New York, where they took over a high school and booted the American kids to make way for the illegal immigrants to take it over. So pretty soon, they're not just going to ask you to quarter illegal aliens in your home but they're going to mandate it. Mark my words. And you know, the word quartering is deep in our history because the British, when they were controlling the colonies here, they quartered British troops in Americans' homes. And that was one of the big reasons for the revolution. 
Because if you don't have control over your private property, your money, your home, your land, you have no more freedom. And that is exactly the road they're going down, okay? So Governor Healy can boo-hoo all day long about how moved she is, about how all these illegal aliens in her state and how she's going to convert a rec center for them. Not for you, not for the Massachusetts taxpayer. Oh, no. No, you're getting shunted aside for the illegals who are, in fact, yes, replacing you. There is more intense attention by the left on Ukraine's border than our own and more intense focus on helping the Ukrainian people than on the American people. This is what you get with America last. All right, let's hit a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the great Dean Kane. I cannot wait. I'm very excited. He's brilliant. We're going to talk to him about Trump, America first, his career, uh, politics, Hollywood, all of it. So sit tight. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, I have been so excited for this next conversation. I have been beside myself uh, since we booked him. And I got to tell you, my teenage self is dying right now, okay? <laughs> Dean Kane is a true superstar in so many ways. He was, of course, a football star at Princeton, and then he played with the NFL. And then, unfortunately, an injury ended that NFL career. But there are always silver linings because God always has a way. After that injury, Dean Kane moved into the entertainment industry, and he is perhaps most famous as Clark Kent and Superman in the famous show Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, which I watched religiously. He's also produced and hosted Ripley's Believe It or Not, and has made over 100 films, including Out of Time, God's Not Dead, Vendetta, and Gosnell. He's currently hosting Masters of Illusion for the CW. And, you know, we, we, we're obviously going to talk about all of that, but he's also focused on really important things like human rights and fighting genocide and anti-Semitism wherever those evils manifest. And of course, if all of that weren't enough, he is also a reserve police officer in Idaho. He's a single father and he is a staunch supporter of our military and first response. You can find him on X at Real Dean Kane and on Instagram at Deuces1966. And we're going to have to ask him about that handle. Dean Kane joins us now. <laughs> Dean, I am so thrilled to have you here. Monica, I'm thrilled to have me here after that introduction. My gosh, I sound like a wonderful person. It's always humbling. It's very humbling to hear all that stuff together. But thank you so much 
for having me on. I'm honored to be here with you. Well, all of that stuff has the added virtue of being true, Dean. So we are thrilled that you are here. <laughs> and like I said, I am a longtime fan of, of your work on stage and screen and also what you're doing now in terms of uh, participating in law enforcement as a reserve police officer. I want to ask you about that, your support for our military, and you're an unapologetic Trump supporter as well. So we're going to get into all of that. But before Let's we do, go. Dean, while I have you, you know, anytime I have a major celebrity like yourself on the show, I'm always really curious about how major stars become who they are. So we know <laughs> that you were a gridiron star, of course, and then you were injured uh, while you were playing, I think, for the Buffalo Bills. And But then you got into yeah. the entertainment world. So how did you get how did you get your foot in the door in that regard and, and just really have your career take off? Well, I was fortunate enough to, my, my father adopted me um, when I was four years old. My mother had moved out from Michigan with her two little boys, my older brother and myself, to go make herself famous in Hollywood. She ended up meeting my dad and falling in love, and they got married when I was four years old. And after uh, some unfortunate events and some dangerous events in Hollywood, finally he's like, you know, um, let's get out of here. Let's get the kids someplace safe. Uh, so we moved to Malibu, California. So it was about, you know, an hour move from Hollywood. And we started uh, our life there. And my dad started being an actor. And then he started figuring out that he's a better director. And he was doing this with guys like Leo Penn and Leslie Nielsen. And these guys who were big time stars back there. Leo Penn <clears throat> happens to be the father of Chris Penn, Sean Penn, you know, and all these kids that I grew up with, Rob Lowe, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Holly Robinson. We all grew up in the same area. And all those guys, got into film and television and they did it before I did. They were all a little older than me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I grew up around it. My father became a pretty prolific director and uh, all these kids that I grew up with were becoming uh, movie stars, but I ended up on set all the time. So I was a football player. I was an athlete. I was a good student. I was doing all these things. And I took off and went to Princeton and uh, had a great career there as a football player. I had a wonderful time as a, as a young academic and uh, I was fortunate enough to go to the Buffalo Bills as a free agent just after the draft. Uh, and that was a great time to be there. We lost the AFC championship my rookie year. But then the next four years were all Super Bowl years. And uh, so I, uh, I got to play um, a little bit there. Got injured really early on. Um, but I still hold Buffalo close to my heart. Heartbroken that the Chiefs um, beat them. And then now the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. So I'm not rooting for the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> I'm rooting for the Niners. Um, that one, because I need some revenge for my my bills. Um, I wish the bills were there. Uh, and then so after that finished, I, I was looking at what my, my friends were doing, you know, from college and what, what, what jobs they had. And I was looking at that all, all the way through college. And the stuff they were doing, you know, being on Wall Street and doing investment banking, and that stuff just was so boring to me, not interesting. Now, some of them are billionaires, so maybe I screwed up. But um, uh but but uh, I, uh, I I looked at what my dad did. I was always growing up on set. I was always around it. And so, like I said, so many of my friends had achieved such greatness already. I thought, you know what? That's a, a lot more fun than what these guys are doing. And it's different than a nine-to-five job. It's a constant search for the next job. You're constantly reinventing yourself. And I said, I, I think that actually more appeals to me than this other line of work. So I started going out for commercials, going out for uh, working on my writing, doing all that stuff, and it all eventually paid off. By the time I got the, the role as Superman, um, I had been a guest star on a number of different shows, but I also had a writing contract with Hollywood Pictures, so I was doing both. 
and I continue to do all of the all of the above. That's the great thing about the entertainment industry. You're not just limited to one thing. And I've found tremendous success. I'm extremely humbled by it. I'm very, very happy and thankful. I know I'm blessed to have this kind of success and um and it's it's I'm busier than ever. Well, it, it's just incredible. Did you have any idea? And like I said, I was watching Lewis and Clark along with the rest of the country and really the world. Did you have any idea that it would be as big as it got? I mean, did you know that you had something special? Well, we knew we had something special and just the way the show was. Uh, I, I, you know, we constantly sort of felt like we were on the bubble while we were shooting. There was only a few moments, a few times during a couple of the seasons where we were riding on top and that felt like great, but I think they, they kind of keep you moving. They keep you moving. And, uh, I think we got very fortunate that, uh, Deborah Joy Levine wrote an incredible script. Uh, and, and Bob Butler who came in and directed and got us all ready, did an incredible job getting me ready to play the role for sure. And it was super important that they picked the right Lois Lane. And that was Terry Hatcher. And she, to my to my, in my opinion, she's still the greatest Lois Lane of all time. Um, she was classic in that role, drove our show, and uh, it was wonderful. And I thought, yeah, of course I thought it might, you know, be a big deal. When you're playing Superman, there weren't superhero shows on back in that day. Um, so to bring Superman to the screen, the television screen, was a risk and a half. Um, and to, to forever be associated with that character, to me, I embrace that. I'm okay with that. If I'm going to be associated with any character in the world, why not the greatest American icon ever? Amen, Dean. Amen. Uh, no, and you just inhabited that character so brilliantly. And now you're in the pantheon of the all-time great Supermans, including Christopher Reeve. And your name is right, right up there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so iconic. And your portrayal is so iconic. What was, you know, I, and I, I'm always so curious about this. When you hit that kind of level of fame, which is massive, massive. And you talk about your family. Did you, do you feel like you had a good support system when you hit that level of fame? Oh, very much so. Well, first of all, I had seen a lot of my, like I said, my friends go up and, and, and get famous and make huge mistakes. Right. Um, and that includes, you know, Sean Penn and Rob Lowe and, you know, people who are wonderful people, but who I might disagree with here or there or whatever. I, I may have made some of the same similar mistakes, um, but I was in college. I wasn't in the in the spotlight, you know, or or something like that. So uh, I watched them make their mistakes. But then I also had my mom and dad, and and they're very very. Um, the, my dad, especially, his morals and values are very. He holds things close to the vest. He gave me media training before I had any media training. He said, "Look, they're going to love you at first. They're going to build you up, and then they're going to tear you down because they love to tear you down. So the less you can say in public, the better." course i didn't listen to him at all um which is kind of what we do as kids but he was right you know there's a lot of that media building you up and then tearing you down <clears throat> excuse me especially you know when you have you know a, you know a, a difference of opinion over this or that or you speak politics none of that stuff that i ever do when i was a young man but but when that stuff you know that, it makes it really clear um that you know you're a target your anonymity is gone these are things that my dad didn't want for me um i wanted them for myself so I, I chose to go into that arena, but I, we didn't know it was going to be a giant success. There were only three networks at the time, ABC, CBS, and NBC, and we were on ABC, and so you were going to be one of the top three uh, regardless, and uh, uh, the show did really well. Four years we did it. We were picked up for a fifth season, but Terry got, uh, uh, had a pregnancy that wasn't mine, 
Um, <laughs> forget any rumors you might have heard. Uh, and uh, she had a pregnancy that was going to be difficult, and she was going to be bedridden, and they decided to pull the plug. So we never had a real ending to the show, which is a bummer. Uh, well, you can always do a reunion, Dean, and we're... we're I'm down with that. I would love to see that happen. <laughs> Fantastic. I really would. Oh, we would all love that, too. Are you kidding? If we can get Terry Hatcher on board, let's do it. America would absolutely love it. You know, it's really good to hear, Dean, that you had a good support system throughout, you know, that massive fame that you enjoyed right at the beginning and that you continue to enjoy. Um, because, you know, as you say, there's so many people who don't have a good, solid family structure or oh. faith-based structure, and they go off the rails, especially when they have big fame and, and big money very early in their life. So I think having that grounding has served you very well. And those people, like, um, you know, I've interviewed so many people on the show, like you, the people who have that kind of faith-based family grounding are the ones who enjoy long careers and tend not to flame out by, you know, succumbing to a lot of the temptations that are around the whole industry. And there are a lot of temptations. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no there doubt are. about it. I and not just in entertainment, <laughs> but everywhere. So to have that grounding, yeah, is, is incredible. So, you know, you're so busy with so many projects and wonderful causes now, Dean. Let me ask you about um, your side career as a reserve police officer in Idaho. Why did you decide to do that and pursue law enforcement? Well, I've also been a sworn deputy sheriff, full deputy sheriff, uh, in Frederick County, Virginia for uh, I think seven years, not six years, six years there as well. I, I, I decided to join law enforcement because um, there was a point in time, and I know you'll remember this quite well, and I'm sure your listeners will, when people started turning against the police. When I was young, you know, it was always don't talk to strangers except for the police because they're there to help you. And that's the truth. And somehow we got away from that and this distrust of the police. And, you know, yeah, there's some bad apples out there. There's some people who are a little overly officious. And I've had some negative contact with officers in the past. And it really can fire you up. So, um, but, but by and large, these officers are amazing people. They are wonderful, God-fearing family, men and women who, who do the job because they're called to do that. They're the ones who run to the danger. And, you know, I, I say this all the time. You may, you know, speak poorly of the police, but when your life is threatened and you're in danger, what are you going to do? You're going to pick up the phone and you're going to dial 911 and you're going to call a hero to come save you, and it's going to be a police officer, whether they believe in your your political beliefs or not, or whether you badmouth them or not. And that's amazing. Um, <clears throat> so I saw all this vitriol against the police, and I, instead of just speaking on X or Instagram or on in interviews, because people were like, well, you, you care so much about the police, you should join them. Well, I did. So I joined them, and uh, I didn't just – I'm just the, – the, the quality of people that I know – in my departments, they're, they're phenomenal, phenomenal uh, men and women. And they're great people, uh, just like you and me and anybody else. And they, they kiss their families goodbye when they leave and they, you know, but they have a job that they may not come back from. And, and so, excuse me, I find them just to be heroes, just complete heroes. Um, in fact, Chris Kyle, who trained me in a lot of weapons and was known as the American sniper, his, uh, uh, February 3rd, I think is February 2nd is the, is the uh, anniversary of his passing. Um, he w was such a superstar, you know, and, and when war and such, but I was sitting there listening to him speak to a SWAT officer, um, down in, uh, in Florida and he would, they were talking about it. And, and Chris says, you know, listen, you guys have it harder than us. 
you know, when we were in Iraq and we were fighting people, we knew we were fighting the bad guys. You know, you guys just pull up at a traffic stop and you don't know what you're going to see. You don't know what's going to happen to you. These everyday events happen. And so um, that was part of what got me going. You know, these guys, you know, being a police officer is something that I, I think is a, a noble profession. And I felt like they really needed support both, um, you know, in the media and, and people talking about them and in person. So I, I joined up and I've been doing it ever since and just got resworn in and, and um, I'm going to be doing it for a number of years in the future. My mom doesn't like it so much, but that's what moms, moms are like. I mean, she's like, no, stay home, never get in any trouble, never go anywhere, <laughs> never have an opinion. Stay safe, my child. Mom's job is to worry about you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. She wants you to go back, <laughs> do, do more acting where you have stuntmen uh, filling in for you exactly. rather than putting yourself in the line of fire. But truly, <laughs> truly, thank you, Dean, for what you're doing in both of these communities. You know, a lot of people talk the talk, but don't walk the walk, and you certainly do, and you're putting your life on the line in service of your community, your fellow Americans, your country. And we just, I, I know I speak on behalf of this entire audience when I say thank you for that. Um, well, and thank you. God I'm bless humble. You. And we will pray for your protection. We will pray for a hedge of protection around you at all times. Um, what do you make of the left's relentless attack on law enforcement? I mean, it really, as I describe it, I mean, we are in the midst of a longstanding neo-Marxist revolution in this country, and the attack on law enforcement is part of that communist revolt because they need violent mayhem, they need the chaos. And when you look at the history of communism, which you may or may not have studied at Princeton or beyond, but one of the first things that Marxists do when they seize power is open up all the prisons because they want the violent criminals on the street creating mayhem to destabilize stabilize the society. So as part of law enforcement now, as you look at this landscape across the country and really the West, what do you think? I think it's horrible. I think you're dead on though. You nailed it hundred percent. It is a Marxist. Um, uh, it's even the same thing with the attack on families. Uh, Marxism wants to, you do not to have that, that tough, strong nuclear family. Right. They want the state to raise your kids. And um, that attack on law enforcement is right out of the Marxist playbook. It's horrific and letting everybody out of prisons. It's insane. It's insanity. Um, fortunately, I believe in this and I, be, I, I see what's going on and, I, and, and I'm very concerned, obviously, but, but I am a, an eternal optimist and I just feel like there's so many men and women that I speak to here in the United States who just won't stand for that. They won't stand for that at all. And, and if, um, if this election goes the way I hope it does, I think we're going to have a real rightening of the ship so to speak, you know, these, these laws, I left California. I live in, I live in Nevada now. I, I moved to Henderson, Nevada because California has gone insane. Yeah. So I couldn't even be there anymore. Um, it, it's just, it was unsafe, highest homeless rate in the nation, highest poverty rate in the nation, the most expensive real estate. And, you know, it, it was just everything wrong. And Gavin Newsom's out there walking around talking about like how wonderful things are in California and where the free, it, it's, it's a horrible place to live. Now, and I'm, that's why I had to move out. And I thought I would never leave that beautiful, beautiful state. But the politicians have run it into the ground. And I think it's people like Gavin Newsom who are doing that. And it's people who are, the, you know, organizations like BLM, which is a Marxist organization. I'm all for uh, minority rights. And certainly most, most of my friends are black. So it's not like, you know, um, I, I, I want to see any sort of violence or anything towards, towards black people or Latinos or whatever. I mean, I've lived in Spain for 20 years. I speak fluent Spanish. Um, I, I have no problem with anybody. I'm Japanese, you know, by birth. And everyone's like, oh, oh really? Tanaka is my given name. 
I accept everybody openly. It's a, it's the content of your character, not the color of your skin or your race or your religion. Um, so that stuff, we need to get back to that and out of this crazy Marxist thing. I was a history major in college, by the way, Monica. So I did study uh, communism and the, the insane uh, effect that it has on, on people and the lack of meritocracy. I mean, you know, if you're going to get paid to do a job uh, and get paid more if you do your job well, you're going to be driven to do that job well. But if you're going to do that job better than anybody else and still make the same amount of money, that takes away the incentive. It stops people from wanting to work. You get that crazy communist system. It's failed everywhere it's ever been tried. Socialism fails everywhere it's ever been tried. Uh, it's not going to work. Capitalism is the greatest economic system in the history of mankind based on merit, based on individuality and individualism. And that's what we need to get back to. And I'm hoping and praying uh, that as a country, we get back there very, very soon. Yes. And I know you're going to work to that end. You are a proud, unapologetic Trump supporter. I have to ask you, you know, your whole career is in the entertainment industry in Hollywood. I just uh, had a long interview with Caitlyn Jenner. And she, she said to me on the air, she said, you know what, Monica, I was more scared to come out as a Republican than as trans. Okay, because I just knew that. And and she said, I've gotten more flack for being a Republican and a Trump supporter than I have for being trans. I've had more criticism in that direction. What has been your experience since you came out very publicly as a conservative and then, of course, supporting President Trump? What's the reaction been in the industry to you and how do you sort of turn it back? Well, uh, face to face, very little. Uh, pushback, very little discussions. People are like, oh yeah, you're very uh, vocal. Um, but they don't know, they, they've heard that I'm vocal. They don't know what I've said. They might see a little blip of this or a meme or who knows, whatever it might be, and think they know what my views are. But then we start digging in a little bit deeper and we have discussions and they find that my views are not radical at all. My, my views are very straightforward and they haven't changed. Uh, I'm not against anybody at all. I'm all for meritocracy. I think there's, I think we should have a safety net too for those who need it. But I, won't, I think we should be giving them a hand up, not a hand out. I don't believe in, I believe in equality of opportunity, not outcome. And I speak loudly about that. But nobody, I'm, I'm, I've never been challenged face to face by somebody in Hollywood going like, well, you believe blah, blah, blah. Because I, I, first of all, I don't think they really understand what I believe because they don't really pay attention. Um, but I would love to engage anybody on anything we might disagree about or, or agree about. You know, I, I think we'd find... Well, people would find more often than not that we agree about more things than they, they actually think. Um, so I, I engage anybody who wants to talk about it. But more ha what happens more often than not in Hollywood, just like on Twitter, someone just takes a pot shot at you. They say something like, you know, Ian Kane is a homophobe. Well, I've played gay on in two films. You know what I mean? Uh, I did it back in 2002 or something when it was like shunned, completely shunned. Don't do that. Everyone's going to think you're gay. I said, well, they think I'm gay. Then I did my job as an actor. Right. You know, and so uh, the, you know, these things forever, I've been I've been supportive of people, adults rights to do whatever the heck they want to. I'm much more libertarian in that world. I can do what I want to do. And I know what I do with my family, but I'm not going to tell an adult who they can sleep with or love or marry or I don't, that doesn't bother me or have, I have no concern with that whatsoever. I have tons of friends who are gay. Don't even think about it at all. It's never even a thought. But you, you try and um, talk, you know gender and sex to my five-year-old at school, we're going to have a problem right? because that, that's not, that's not okay. That's for a parent and the families to deal with. 
And so the stuff that they're doing there is crazy. But people in Hollywood, they just quietly uh, blackball you, if you will. You just don't get that call or you don't get that, you know, uh, you don't get that uh, offer or you don't get to, you know, come in on this project or that. And I think, um, you know, I think that that will change over time. Like, because there's a lot of people who, who I disagree with vehemently when it comes to politics, but I'd work with them in a heartbeat. You know, Robert De Niro is a phenomenal actor. I can't stand his politics. I just can't. I just don't like it. Rob Reiner, great director, can't stand his politics. Disagree with him, but I'd work with him in a heartbeat. And I have tons of friends. I have a lot of friends who are able to get right past that. And no one, and like I said, no one's ever said to me, I, I don't want to be your friend because X, Y, Z. Because if we really start talking about the, the policies, and that's the thing with President Trump. So President Trump gets so much hate because he's gruff. They don't like his comments. So they don't like him personally. That's what they'll really come down to. Um, but when you talk policy, they'll lose because his policies work. And they're be- the best policies for America and truthfully for the world. You know, there was no, how many wars under President Trump? Zero. How many um, wars under uh, President Biden? Well, there's three or four now if you want to talk about it. You know, the immigration situation is totally insane what they're doing to this country. Uh, I'm all for immigrants. We already take in more than three times the number of legal immigrants than any other country in the world. Nobody talks about that. Uh, Can we take in more? Sure. But should it be based on merit? Yes. It should be based on merit and coming in. And um, so just bringing in 8 million people, you know, it'd be like the seventh largest state in the country. That's insane. It's going to have tremendously negative effects on us moving forward. I fear there's going to be a number of terror attacks, soft target terror attacks, and all that stuff will be that blood will be on you know, Alejandro Mayorkas's hands, whether he gets impeached or not, uh, President Biden and the entire administration, uh, they're not doing a damn thing. And they're actually actively encouraging it. And I hope that that's the reason that they get booted this election cycle. I know they're going to try to turn it all toward, the only hope for them is to turn it toward abortion. That's what they want to talk about. Uh, and that's that's a state's rights issue anyway for the Constitution. And that's that's crazy. So they'll try to turn it to that. But the reality is uh, what Joe Biden and this administration is doing is horribly dangerous for us all and uh, makes me fear for the future of this nation. So I'm very concerned and I'm trying to be as vocal as possible. Yes. And we so appreciate it because we know, particularly in your line of work, that it's very difficult for you to speak out. I had my good friend, Kelsey Grammer on this show and he said, you know, same thing. He was like, yeah, he's wonderful. And, you know, he just said, look, it it is long past time for those of us who have kept our lips zipped uh, to, to not speak out. The country is hanging by a thread and we all need to stand up and, and make our views known to say, this country. And this next election coming up in November, Dean, is it. I mean, it really is it because if we don't pull this off and Donald Trump doesn't win um, and we know what he's up against with the deep state and corrupt DOJ and FBI and security uh, state and all of it, we know what he's up against here. But I mean, if we don't pull this off in November, the country will be gone and we're already long past the point of no return. But this is it. Don't you think? I think, you know, it sounds cliche because you always hear, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Yeah. But it really feels like it for the first time. I mean, every time I've heard that before, I'm like, eh, all right, well, whatever. Uh, right now, uh, it's uh, hugely concerning. Hugely concerning. Well, I've never seen any person, let alone political uh, person, be as persecuted as much as Donald Trump. Um, it's unbelievable. The hate and the vitriol he gets. Uh, and the, what the, the weaponization of the DOJ and all these 91 
charges and they're all going to fall apart. I mean, and that even that E. Jean Carroll thing, that's insane. Yeah. It's the, the, that ver- it's insane. You know, that kind of stuff. It's all political persecution. Uh, you got Fannie Willis and all her stuff that's coming out now. You're, all the stuff happened in, in New York with Tisha James. You know, she just, she did the same thing with the NRA. Um, these are all just political things. She's not looking for crimes. It's that whole thing, you know, show me the man and I'll show you, I'll, I'll find the crime. And that's kind of what, how she's working. And that's, that's Marxist in its own right. All these Soros funded folks um, have been doing a lot of damage. And I think it's time. And I think people are starting to wake up to it. I hope that pendulum um, swings back in time that we can have law and order and decency and, you know, not, you know, uh, poop maps in the streets of San Francisco. Um, did you see what, did you see Nancy Pelosi the other day tell the people to go back to China? Yes. I mean, that is, I, whoa, uh, when the, when the veil comes off and you look behind the curtain, uh, a lot of these people who spout these, these wonderful um, uh, egalitarian things, you, you find out what they're really made of. And that was a real moment. Absolutely. You know, she was one of many on the left who told us that we could not call the China virus the China (laughs) virus because it was racist. And she's out there screaming at protesters outside her door, go back to China. You know, the, the, the people who accuse us of all of these things being racist and whatever phobic, they are the biggest racists of them all. Dean, and I'm sure you have seen this throughout your life and career. You know, um, when you talk about Donald Trump, I don't know of a single person, n- never mind another American president, who could have withstood what this man has withstood mm. over the last eight years, all of the deep state assaults, all of this lawfare that they're throwing at him right now. And as you say, these cases are going to fall apart because there's nothing to them. They're politically motivated. But for the left, that doesn't matter because the process is the punishment. They want him yeah, tied I agree. up in and court, it's super, right? super dangerous. drain his resources, um, mm-hmm. chip away at his lead in the polls. But it's actually like a superhero, Dean Kane. All of this stuff is strengthening him, right? <laughs> well, yes, because I think everyday Americans look at it and go, this can't be right. This, this can't be right. I mean, there are people who just hate him and like, yeah, he should go to jail. He's a criminal. You know, he's raped women and blah, blah. There's never, he's never been, a, he's never been, he's been accused of it. I, everybody, you know, if you, you start running for president, you're going to get accused of everything. Um, Joe Biden was certainly accused of rape, uh, but neither one of them were ever found uh, guilty or nor charged with that. You know, so it's kind of just crazy. It's crazy what's going on with him. The, the political persecutions for him, he, all through his presidency, and everybody's full of baloney. I mean, Adam Schiff and uh, Chuck Schumer and the, the lies that come out of their mouths. I, I am so embarrassed that they're the leadership of this great, incredible country, and, and I can't wait for them to start getting voted out. Uh, we need some new blood in there, some new folks, some good policies, and and President Trump, President Trump's policies are phenomenal. I met with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy recently. Um, I love him. He's wonderful. I, I, I hope he has a position with uh, the, the, the 47th uh, administration and I hope it's President Trump. And I hope uh, I hope we do some smart things like, you know, abolish the Department of Education, cut down the number of federal workers because the government is so bloated and ridiculous. Um, there's so many things that need to happen that will make this country the strongest it's ever been uh, if we can just get President Trump in office uh, in November. Dean, I'm going to ask you to please stand by. Much more with the great Dean Kane coming straight up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, we're back with the one and only Dean Kane. Okay, I want to be respectful of your time. So before we let you go, Dean, please tell us about your current work. I know you've got a graphic novel. You've got some films with some other big stars like Emma Stone and Annalyn McCord uh, coming out. So tell us about that. I'm just working my tail off, Monica. I checked <laughs> earlier today. I have, I have no tail left. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I like to diversify. So uh, if I stayed home and just was as an actor waiting for the phone to ring, I'd go insane. So I write, I produce, I direct, I host, um, I work with law enforcement. Um, I work with True Play Games, which is a Christian-based video game company. Um, it's wonderful because as a police officer, I, one of the things I work on is the Internet Crimes Against Children, ICAC, and you know whatever parent needs to know is if you're at home and your kid has a device, whether it's a phone or an Xbox or a computer or an iPad, there are people who are trying to contact them and who are trying to pull them away from you and, and do bad things. There's people with have horrible intentions and we find them all the time. We create profiles within 20 minutes. We've got 30 people trying to talk to this, this 13 year old kid or 12 year old kid. Mm. It's really dangerous stuff, but true play. What's great about it is it's a Christian based video game company, great video games. And it's a closed network. So nobody can talk to your kids. So you know, they're safe. It used to be that you could go turn on the Disney channel and just let your kid watch that. And you knew they were safe. Well, not so much anymore. So now um, if they're on video games and things, check out True Play Games. That's an awesome thing. Um, I've got this graphic novel coming out called Dean Kane, All-American Lawman, inspired by my good buddy, uh, Gabe El Taib. And he left DC Comics because they got very woke and he, he was an artist for them and just got sick of what they were doing. Um, and they let, you know, I always, even in my Twitter bio, my X bio, it says truth, justice, and the American way. And I believe in that. And Superman is a uniquely American superhero for the things that he represents and what America represents. And we get back to it in this graphic novel. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's about 120 pages. Bigmancomics.com. Go check that out because Gabe is a big man. So bigmancomics.com. It comes out at the end of probably in March, somewhere in March. We're really close to having it finished now, and it's great fun. Uh, it's like the old 80s movies, fun stuff. Uh, then I just have so many movies that I'm shooting. I work with JC Films, and I put about eight to 10 movies out a year, faith-based, really small movies that are really important to try to help change the culture. And, um, and, and these films are, you know, they're not making, we're not getting rich doing these things by any stretch of the imagination, but we're trying to put out as much content as we can um, to support the values and morals and teach the ideals that, uh, that we think are important. And if people like them, that's wonderful. And in the meantime, I'm still doing Tons of other movies. I've got four others lined up already this year with some great people. I just did that curse with Emma Stone, like you mentioned, and um, she was lovely and wonderful. And um, the the show is the show is quirky and weird. Um, and then uh, I've got one I wrote, produced, directed, starred in called Little Angels that hopefully is going to come out this year. Working for distribution. I love the movie. Um, it's about uh, it's about a, 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 a college football coach, big time college football coach who gets in trouble and has to. Uh, redeem himself by coaching under 13 year old girls soccer, which <laughs> a college football coach doesn't want to do. It. I love um, it. And it's a great family movie and I can't wait for that to get out. I just, I'm keeping insanely busy and, and happy and love living here in, uh, in Henderson, Nevada now instead of California. 
Well, that is just incredible. I mean, you've got an, an amazing roster of projects in front of you and also coming out this year. As the late great, as our late great friend Andrew Breitbart once said, Dean, politics is yeah. downstream from culture. So while we're all focused on the next election and every two, four, six years, and rightfully so, we also need to be focused on the culture. And guys, you know, I always tell you that the way we change the culture, which seems so monolithic with Hollywood's lock on, what we are being fed through television, movies, music, etc. This is how we change the culture. We support content like Dean Kane's content. So please go check it out. Where can folks find you? Do you have a, a central website or something, Dean, where you can point people? I'm just on the regular old social media, uh, at Real Dean Kane on X and at Deuces1966 on Instagram. And I'm going to explain that to you real quick. Please do. My son used to be like, you know, when he'd leave, he'd put up the peace signs. He'd be like, Deuces, Dad, Deuces. So I hadn't created a, a um, an Instagram account, and he, he did it for me. And Deuces, because he'd be like, Dad, all right, I'm out of here. Deuces. Um, <laughs> he put up Deuces, Deuces, and then the year of my birth, 1966. And I've had it for all this time, so I'm not going to change it. I'm going to leave that up there. And uh, so those are the two places you can find me. One quick thing about Andrew Breitbart. Um, Andrew, I met Andrew Breitbart because I was coaching his kid, Samson, and my son, Christopher, uh, in basketball in Brentwood. And I lived in Malibu. My son's mother lived in Brentwood. But that's where we became friends. And he's the first person ever who explained to me um, how important, you know, politics are and, and, and encouraged me to speak up. So Andrew said, my job is to get you in politics. Uh, he said, I'm getting you in there. And uh, slowly I keep uh, opening my mouth and, and proving Andrew right. God bless him and rest in peace, my oh, friend. Oh, I love that. No, I absolutely love that story. And look, we're in the midst of this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey mania. And uh, <laughs> you know how the left is leveraging all these huge celebrities, including Taylor Swift, etc. And it's just so nice to have brilliant talents like you, Dean, on our side, the side of right, the right side of history, and the side of good. So we all really appreciate you, Dean Kane. Thank you so, so much. Monica, absolute honor. And I'm, come on anytime. Just let me know. Okay, guys, that is going to do it for me. Thank you so much for joining me today, as always, and for checking out our phenomenal sponsors. We all really appreciate that. Okay, coming up next week, we're going to talk to the woman, the Republican nominee running in New York's third congressional district to replace George Santos. You need to know her. She's going places. So we're going to have a great, great talk with her. Also, we're working on a couple of big guests coming up. Some surprises here on the Monica Crowley podcast. Have a fantastic weekend. Be safe. Be well. Spend time with those you love. And I will see you right back here next week. This episode of the Monica Crowley podcast was produced by Bayhockel Entertainment, LLC. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.